You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, we've had a little bit of a hiatus, so it's a thrill to come back right now. And a bigger thrill to come back with such an amazing guest, an amazing author, and just an amazing person. And tonight we're going to hear from Janelle Brown, who's a New York Times bestselling author of All We Ever, All we Ever Wanted. Excuse me, it was everything. Sorry, I had a cough there for a minute. I apologize. And this is where we live. And most recently, which is so exciting, Watch Me Disappear. Um, now, before I bring Janelle on, just a very quick intro to those of you who have no idea of what you've just walked into. I want to apologize for my voice. I have a bit of laryngitis tonight. So, again, I apologize for that. Um, so, my name is Kathleen Smith. I started Morph Mom five years ago. We have the website, which is morphmom.com. M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M dot com. We have the radio show, which you're listening to tonight. Huffington Post. If you go to Kathleen Smith, you can see all the stories as well. We host cocktail parodies. And most exciting for us right now is that on October 23rd in New York City, we're going to be hosting our second non-conference. It's an all-day event that goes into the night. We have panels that cover every possible topic you could imagine. And we conclude with a cocktail party from 6 to 9, where you actually get to meet the speakers, the panelists, and sort of really make connections. And Morph Mom has really evolved into a place, hopefully, where women are making connections. And that is exactly what I've done tonight with Janelle. And Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. We've made a connection with a tremendously (laughs) famous author. And Janelle, thank you for joining us tonight. My my pleasure. It's a thrill to be here. So... Janelle, as we said, you were a best-selling author of these three, these amazing books, and most recently, Watch Me Disappear. So, and I want to introduce my co-host tonight. So, please, please introduce yourself tonight, my co-host. Hi. 
<laughs> I'm Kat Kelly. Uh, I'm friends. Uh, I'm friends with Kathleen, and uh, we met through a morph mom. I personally am not a mom, showing you that morph moms can be anybody who wants to celebrate women. Um, and you know, my goal in life is to support people and uh, give back. And Kathleen, I went to the morph mom event a couple of weeks ago. It was a smashing success. Amazing speakers, dynamic uh, content, and um, you know, it was really an opportunity for women to hear from each other how they got to where they are, what roadblocks they have encountered, and it was really an authentic conversation about, you know, what you experience as a female um, on every aspect. So I'm really excited to be here, Janelle. I'm very excited to talk to you about your path and, you know, how you morphed from being, you know, a writer and and managing and juggling everything that you do with your children and and all of that. And uh, excited to chat for the next 45 (laughs) minutes or whatever we're going to do. So Janelle, as, as was just mentioned, can we talk a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today? Um, how far back do you want me to start? <laughs> um, well, did you always think you'd be an author? Did yeah, you, you like know, writing? I did. I was always a huge bookworm, um, was starting when I was really young. I remember being in first grade and going to the library and checking out as many books as they would let me and tearing through them all. And I started making my own little books. I liked writing little stories and making little books and drawings and stuff. And at some point in first grade, my teacher, um, Mrs. House, I still remember her name, casually said to me, oh, you should be an author someday when you grow up. And I took that to heart. Well, clearly <laughs> and I she was right. Really looked back. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I, I spent, you know, a lot of time in high school and college and post-college doing different kinds of writing. Um, I worked at wired rights in like 95 after i graduated from college i uh, worked over uh, a wired magazine on their uh, helping them launch their first websites um which is now called wired digital and then i went and worked for salon for a couple years salon.com um and basically you know i spent all those years working as journalism because i knew that's how i, I had to make a living and then eventually i started really thinking about doing fiction and, and quit my job and I went freelance so that I could have time to work on, on a book. And that book eventually became All We Ever Wanted Was Everything, and which was my first novel. And that uh, was how I got launched on my fiction career. When you were, were first starting in journalism, or <clears throat> were you thinking always eventually this would lead to writing that book? You know, I, I knew I always wanted to write a book. I, you know, it was one of those things I always knew I wanted to write a book someday. And I think while I was deep in journalism, I I didn't think about it as much. But at a certain point, you know, I started getting burnt out with journalism and the more and the the, the, the demands of it. I mean, we were writing a lot of stories every day, and the more. I, I thought about it the more I realized I wanted to go back to my first love, which was really putting some energy into trying to do fiction. So uh, it was always there in the back of my mind. I think it just took a little detour into journalism. So when did you come up with the – so you were in journalism. You knew something would happen. But when was it that it struck you that this is going to be 
the content. This is going to be the storyline of the first novel. And again, I apologize for my voice. I have a terrible... It's totally fine. Don't worry. Um, well, it's funny because it had changed a lot. Uh, I sat down with a very loose idea for my first novel and started writing it. And it changed so much that it almost bears no resemblance to the original idea that I was sitting down with. Um, I honestly, you know, none of my books have really come from a big epiphany of, oh, this is a story I want to write, and then I sit down and I write that story. Every book that I've written has started off in a different place, and I've started off with an idea, and I sit down with that idea, and I start writing that idea, and then I realize that maybe that idea is not working, but there's this other part of this thing that I'm writing that I really like and it's taking off and it's going in new directions and maybe this would be a different story I could work with this character that I really am starting to, to, to fall in love with. Or you start a story, you think, oh, this is a great story and then you start writing it and you realize it's not. <laughs> you know, it's just not working. So you've got to come up with another idea. So that's really, you know, it's been a much more organic process um, rather than a, a strictly applied process, if, if that makes sense. It's so, it's so when you get the original idea and you say, okay, this is what I'm going to start out with, is it just the beginning or is that idea sort of the overall, you know, beginning, middle, end of what's going to happen? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, I... I usually have a beginning very clear in my head and then I have a rough middle and a very rough <laughs> end. So it's not a complete idea by any means. It's not fully formed when I start writing it because I, I, I usually feel like I, you don't know what something is until you start writing it. Right. Uh, and, and, I, I know there are certainly writers that do do that, that that wait until they have everything very clearly planned out, and then they sit down and write that book, and they're done. But I'm not that writer. It's, <laughs> I feel like it evolves too much for me to really be prescriptive. How did you do your research for the characters in the book? I mean, you have three very, in in their own right, you know, dynamic, powerful women. Um, they've obviously been faced with, you know, the woman's husband leaves her, her daughter comes back, they come together. Um, you know, where where did you get your research? You know, is this from fact? <laughs> or um, <laughs> Is it based on a true story? <clears throat> yeah. um, no, it's not based on uh, any particular person. Um, but, I mean, bits of all of my characters come from me. I mean, every right. character I've ever written has been grounded in some way with an experience I've had or something that I've gone through, um, and which is the relating point that I start to mm -hmm. start with, like an emotion that I've had, some experience that I've had. And it's, it's almost like a jumping off point. So in, in All We Ever Wanted Was Everything, Margaret, Lizzie, and Janice were all characters that I felt some connection to emotionally that they stemmed from different parts of my personality. Mm -hmm. But then after that, they really become their own people. I mean, I do get inspired by people that I meet, um, you know, in my new book, watch me disappear. There's a mother character, um, who once again was grounded in feelings that I've had as a mother. Um, but then her personality, I really 
she's a, she's a bit of a narcissist. Actually, she's very much a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I have no narcissists. Um, I've had some, actually, I just wrote a piece for Lenny uh, recently about a relationship that I had of a, a friend of mine that was a narcissist and then uh, was dumped me as a friend very abruptly. And um, I used some of that experience to, and, and that, that person that I'd known as a germ for the mother who was mm-hmm. a narcissist. Or, you know, so that's the kind of thing that happens. Like right. it starts, it starts with me. And then I look around me and I see where I think of the kind of character I want to create. Right. And then take pieces from people that I've met or read about or seen on TV, you know, characters that I've encountered. I feel like every day you just, you absorb people, you know, and people right. you interact with. They're interesting, they're characters and, uh, and they start informing your, my work, certainly. So, so for the, the women who are looking to kind of break into, you know, the world of writing and kind of go for the next level, um, my brother-in-law is an author himself, and he went through the whole self-publishing route, did it on his own. You know, wow. for, 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 a, for a mom, you know, and somebody who obviously has a full-time job with her, her daughter, um, or your daughter, rather, um, you know, how... Daughter and son. I have uh, daughter and son, sorry. Didn't, <laughs> yes, sorry about that. That's okay. Two, two little babes. Um, but how did you really you know, set and manage expectations for your career, you know, did you, obviously you had a career in writing that you were probably able to segue, but I think the viewers would love to understand how you were able to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this freelance thing anymore. I'm still going to be dedicated to my kids, but I have a, you know, a need and a desire to do something bigger. Um, you know, would love to understand that journey. You know, that's a really tough one. Um, I'm still something I'm still struggling with. Um, and while my first two books I wrote before I had children, um, in fact, I turned my second novel into my editor the day before my daughter was born. Um, Kurt, oh, you know, almost, almost eight years ago. That was good timing. <laughs> Literally, I turned it in and then my water broke. And I was like, oh damn, I didn't even get a single day to relax in between. <laughs> um, and... Uh, coming back to writing after taking a little, you know, I took a six month maternity leave and I came back and I thought, Oh, I'm just going to sit down and start writing. And I hear that in some ways you get so much more focused once you have kids because you know how little time you have and you're just more focused during that time. You know, I got a part-time nanny. I had, I was going to write 25 hours a week. Um, yeah, and I learned real fast. <laughs> yeah, work as you're it. saying, I'm like, did that work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it did and it didn't. Um, I I did have that time. It was great to have those 25 hours, but I also used that time to like, oh my gosh, you know, I really need an hour to myself to go get a pedicure. Right. I want to sit here and yeah. read my email yeah. for an hour, you know, so it was so easy to get distracted from, from writing. And then when I did go into my office and sit down and write, um, it was really hard to focus. I was tired. Yeah. I was exhausted. I didn't have a lot of emotional energy. And granted, this is like, you know, baby time and it's really hard for right. baby time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I did, you know, and then I started writing I had some ideas. The ideas weren't working. I had to throw a couple books away that were partially written. And then I got pregnant again. (laughs) 
and I had to go through the same process again. Um, you know, baby, got back to work, focus, how do I do this? Um, and it took, it really took about three years and two children, three and a half years, I think, all in, before I was really in the swing of writing again and knew that I had a project that I was going to commit to. And then took me another four years to finish the book. So uh, it was it was a really long road. So, <laughs> and I oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just have a question about the creative process. So, when you had the nannies each time with the baby, and you say, okay, so the nannies are going to come from whatever the designated time is on each day. But how does it work? Are you do you just sit down and say, okay, creatively, I have to produce right now, or in the middle of the night? If you have an idea, how do you, or can you, focus that energy to a certain... I, I always wondered about this. Yeah, like, how do you do how it? Do you? It's it's really hard. I mean, I don't naturally compartmentalize like that. My old writing routine before I had children was I would futz around in the morning. I'd go to a cafe in the afternoon. Around 3, I'd finally feel like I was in my stride and I would write, 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 write until 6 o'clock. Right. Six, maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock, you know, and then have dinner with my husband or, you know, go out with friends. So when I had kids and I had the nanny from 9.30 till 3, you know, that was me. I mean, I was stopping at the moment when I used to right. start getting in my groove. Um, and so it's been a real adjustment. It's still an adjustment. Um, I try and give myself writing goals every day of like a thousand words. Don't always meet that. I have weeks on end when I will just feel stuck and unmotivated and then the clock ticks to three o'clock and I have to take off. Um, but then I also have those times when I am feeling the inspiration. I'm really know what I want to write. I know I'm excited about it. And then sometimes I will get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and go downstairs and write for a couple hours before the kids get up because I am, I'm, I'm just feeling it and I'm waking up and I'm excited and I know what I want to write. So in that sense, it's, there is no clear, I can't say that there's a thing that I do every day that, that right. makes it work. It, it goes in waves. It really does. Um, depending on where I am with, with the work and how excited I'm feeling about it. So you, you, you're now, you're now, um, you've published the, the, the third book where, at what point are you like, okay, let's do this all over again. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, like, um, like uh, tomorrow, probably. <laughs> right. And, you know, just want to understand, you know, your process too. Like, you know, are you on a press junket? Are you going around? Are you speaking? Like, you know, at the Morphmon conference, we had an author in attendance, Anne Choquette, and she just wrote this book. It was her first book, The Big Life. And, you know, we were going into the 4th of July holiday and she was like, I'm so grateful for some time to spend with my kids because I feel like I don't see them anymore. Um, and right. she just had been spending literally, you know, she'd gone to South by Southwest and spoke and she had gone to here and then here and then here. And obviously her kids are her first priority. But, you know, I think that, you know, every woman understands that there needs to be a balance. Um, yeah. And, and, and how, how do you, how do you do that? You know, like what, what are you doing um, to essentially, you know, make certain that, you know, 
you you're compartmentalizing even though it's so hard you know um and and what do you do you know i um it hasn't been terribly hard so far because i haven't gone on a massive book tour yet i mean my book tour really is starting this week mm-hmm. and it, it is an end of the summer book tour and honestly people don't do as many events at the end of the summer mm-hmm. so i haven't i don't have a massive book tour that i might have if i'd had a book come out earlier in the year right. um, everyone's on vacation so it's kind of hard to do a book tour <laughs> at this time of year but i'm going to the midwest i'm going to new york i'm doing a lot of events in northern california a lot of events in southern california um and I'm lucky in that my book tour seems to be working out that I'm gone for a couple of days and then I'm back for four or five days and then I'm gone for five days and then I'm back again. I'm gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming back a lot. I'm right, not yeah. gone for a period of time. And as much as I love, love, love my children, I love to spend time with them. There's two things that are also mitigate <laughs> the, 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 the missing my kids part. One is, that this is really important to me and I haven't done it for seven years. And for, you know, for, for that long, I've watched my husband go on business trips and, and I've been the one that stays home and takes care of the kids. And now it's kind of the other way around. So right. how does that um, work? How uh, is that well, working with you guys? Like childcare. what's the dynamic? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of like- babysitters. <laughs> but my husband also, uh, my husband also steps up. My husband, he steps up, <laughs> you know, comes home earlier and does (laughs) does all the morning duty and all that obviously um but then the other thing that that mitigates it is you know going on this tour is i like having time to myself and i haven't had any in in, in quite some time you need to embrace that and enjoy it yeah and i i like that and so i'm not you know i think if i was being if i was going to be gone for two months straight or or even a couple weeks straight it might be a little bit different and i'm sure that if you ask me the same question again in three weeks i'll probably be like i miss my children i want to go home (laughs) but right now i'm excited to go to new york well don't you think and janelle don't you think it makes you you get that self-reflective time it makes you better when you're there so you're more in tune with what's happening because you feel that you're more engaged because you've now sort of Developed something with you feel good about yourself, so you can feel good about mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's funny it's true. when I started more fun, people were and they actually would break into tears. And so I interviewed people all over the country and I'd ask them these questions and they'd say, I I don't want to say this, I don't want to say this. And they'd be like, Okay, fine, I'm gonna say it. I needed to get away from my kids, I needed to do it. But yeah. it's not yeah. taboo to say that. It's okay. It makes you a better person. It makes mm-hmm. you feel like you need to regroup and then you're better. If, right, you, yeah. if you're shattered, it's not great. If you need to I, step away and regroup, you're so much better for them, and they see that it's okay to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's really important for um, my kids to know that I am a person besides just their mom. I mean, mm-hmm. it was real. They came to my reading on Monday in, in Los Angeles, my launch party, and there were a hundred people in the room, and they were sitting there like watching mom do her thing, and they suddenly understood it in a way that they never had before, mm-hmm. and especially for you know my daughter and the feminist to me wants her to see her mom being a successful woman, um, so that she feels empowered to to do things on her own as well, and I also. Every time well, I go it's important away, for your son to my... see that too. You that's know, it's not too, just exactly. about, and, and that, I think that's an important conversation that's bigger. 
But, you know, like, you know, we always say we want our daughters, we want our daughters, but our sons need to see the mom step up and be the breadwinner and, 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 and not make apologies for it, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's great that they were both there to bear witness to you, you know, owning yourself and living Mm -hmm. your, your truth, you know, and, uh, embracing your passion and what, what you, you know, every, you know, some people are, you know, blessed to be moms on this earth, but, you know, everybody has something to give. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's good to, you know, let your kids see that balance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. It's it's funny. So my guys are older. And when I started more fun, so my daughter's now 21. Oh, well, they were very excited <laughs> to wow. see... Well, it's funny it's and, and just to chime in, but at the at the Morphmon conference, it was wonderful to see Kathleen's husband, who has been nothing shy of, uh, I can't, he's just great. He's so supportive and amazing. But to see all of her kids, and at one point she was up on, she wasn't on stage with Anne, but they were up high. Uh, and uh, he was videotaping her and watching his mom, and he was really excited, and he was really proud. And it was really nice to see that, you know, and Kathleen's getting a little serious. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. But no, you want to see, you want to see your parent, as a child, you want to see your parents successful. And as a parent, you want to see your, right. your children successful. It's a two-way street, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's nice to give your children the opportunity to say, or to see, you know, what you're doing and you and your kind of mode or your element or, you know, whatever that is, you know, and, and not see you as a mom, but see you as the author or, you know, the, the, I, Kathleen, I don't even know. What to, <laughs> to find. The, the mistake. Yes, I am. <laughs> the most self-deprecating person I've met today, <laughs> but she's getting stuff done. Um, but, you know, it, it's nice to have that opportunity, you know, to share that with your loved ones and to, to get mm-hmm. them to see. You, you devote so much of your time and energy into this, you know, whatever it is, whether it's being a mom or being an author or being an executive or, you know, but, but giving the opportunity to share that in a way where they can see you in your element, I think is, it's important. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and it's funny, we were talking about this before, Janelle, about so how scary it is to embark on something new it's terrifying to begin with it's terrifying within it's terrifying thinking of what everyone else is thinking just the whole situation is terrifying have you ever come across that fear or were you able to sort of just say you know what i'm going to give it a shot i'm going to do this like has there ever been something that sort of did you hesitate or did you think oh no, I can't do this. It's not good. I, I don't, I'm just curious to see. You mean as, as a mom or No, as no. An, well, as actually, author. as both. I, I would say mom and author. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best answer I've ever I, heard. I mean, I'm kind Get of it, girl. That's right. If there's Get something it. that I want to do, I just do it. I'm not... No I give apologies. it a shot. Yeah. You know, I, I decided I want to run a half marathon. I ran a half marathon. I... You know, I decided I wanted to write a book. I wrote a book. Like, I, you know, when I go on a trip somewhere, I'll book the trip. Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are things that I am, have hesitated at, but I'm not remembering anything right, right. now. But I know that for the big, for the big things, like I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty much. If it's interesting to you, go for it, kind yeah. of person. That's right. And maybe you'll fail, and that's you know, yeah. so it goes. Well, I want to d- dive deep into kind of like the characters because I think that or I think that um, uh, 
just big little lies is obviously Emmys came out today. Reese was announced, or Reese was uh, honored. They were honored. It, you know, there there is something with this authentic, true female character that uh-huh. right now is really resonating. And um, right. you know, and I love that in your books you were able to bring these women that were so confident and. You, they didn't like you just you're not making an apology right. you know you're doing you and you're if you fall you'll get back up but you know how and at what point were you like you know screw it i'm just gonna kind of bring these women to life in a way that this is their authentic i'm not gonna hide it you know i think for so long you know what's interesting i, I a friend of mine just had a baby and she hated every single second of the process. She hated being pregnant. She hated the labor. She She's like, she has a baby nurse. I don't want to do it. I did it for my husband, and that's what I'm doing. And in my mind, I'm just like, oh, my God. But in the same respect, I'm like, go you. You know, you don't – so many women up until this point probably felt that way but couldn't say it because there were so many – Stigmas, stigmas and right. issues and if you and you know whatever so i'm like go on with yourself so i think there's this whole renaissance of this woman and authentic woman you know like we right. have multiple we're we're an executive and we're a mother we're a nurturer and we need our own time you know how did you did you do you feel that when you're writing like is that something that's you know giving you inspiration like to just yeah, go i mean I, I certainly, I'm, I'm really interested by com, uh, in complex women, right? Um, and um, and women who aren't necessarily like the woman you. You know, there's a lot of books where you pick up the book and it's a really just sweet, wonderful main character, and they're just so nice, <laughs> they're nice, so nice, and like, <laughs> and I'm just, you know, and they bear so little resemblance to anyone I actually know. <laughs> That's right. um, so I really like, I like writing women that are complex and 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 make decisions that aren't necessarily the right decisions all the time or the approved decisions mm. and and asking questions about what that means and what it how it feels i mean in watch me disappear you know i've put this woman at the center of the book who is a mother and makes some very questionable decisions i don't want to give away anything right. but um but i you know i've i've had people say to me that they find her so unlikable and yet they also feel like they relate to her so closely uh-huh. and the feelings that she feels that she that she is making decisions that they might not make but the emotions that she you get why she got there familiar and and uncomfortably familiar because you know billy that's her name is the this, this mother figure is very ambivalent about motherhood and and what it means to be a good mom and she's you know she is the prototypical good mom in berkeley she's baking the cupcake she's the pta president she's you know taking the kids to fairyland and you know doing stay-at-home parenting um but secretly she has all these real conflicting emotions about it and that she's 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 struggles with it and that starts to and and that she conceals things about herself because this part of herself 
And I related to that in a lot of ways. That came from somewhere inside me and and the things that you aren't supposed to say about what it's like to be a mother and how much self-sacrifice it involves and, and how much self-abnegation, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. where you're erasing yourself in order to be a provider and supporter of this other human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that that made a really interesting, complex character. And I think that's similar to what you see in Big Little Lies, too, are these, these women who, yeah. are, who are moms and are trying to be good moms, but also have these yeah. secret feelings about motherhood and who they are and their identity. Yeah, I there, think there's a real desire for that now. Yeah, and there there was an interesting New York Times article today about, you know, I think Reese Witherspoon did a very good job of being a mom that you really want to hate, but then you watch <laughs> behind the scenes and you're like, oh, okay, well, I get it. You know, like I understand, yeah. you know, like that's not a decision I would make, but I understand why she made that decision yeah. and you you not, you kind of want to hate her but you can't because you she doesn't it, it's weird it's complex um yeah. and well, it's, it's it's about making it's about making it relatable you know right where, you know we can all relate to that decision of feeling like you know we can't all relate to, I, so many people can relate to the feeling of like i'm married i'm like I'm in this relationship I am a mother and who am I as a human being now outside of those things and right. who am I you know she goes and has an affair with this this this, this guy and what was she it? works with because she likes to feel desired you know right and, and talk about the Reese Witherspoon character right, and, right right you know I think a lot of women can relate to that feeling I'm sure a lot of women are doing that um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, but it is amazing to see that, you know, these, and I think it's just, it's, it's this time in history. I mean, seeing the women's march, seeing women stand up for who we are and what we're about and, and just this evolution that's happening in real time, um, yeah. where you're feeling the effects, whether it comes from literature, um, you know, on TV, you know, around you, like, you know, in government, obviously there's just, you know, th- this, there's an evolution that's happening before our eyes. And so right. to see it brought to the written word in the way that you're doing it and obviously brought to the big screen or the small screen, um, you know, I think it's cre- creating more complex, you know, roles and making women feel like we're more than just, you know, a mom or an executive or a this or a that. We're, you know, we're a lot more to a lot more people than I think women give themselves credit for. Right. Um, and it's well, you know, I think if you look back a couple of years, you know, there was that that, that Anne Marie Slaughter piece that came out in the Atlantic that was such a talker mm-hmm. was like five years ago mm-hmm. about whether women can really have it all. And yes. there really was this myth yeah. for a long time, this kind of feminist myth that you could be the super mom who has the full time mm-hmm. job and somehow is also a perfect parent to your children and great wife to your partner and and that that reality is not right. really been borne out. Um, it's a myth. And so I think there's been a lot of reckoning with, well, okay, so what then does that mean? Right. Where, where do you fall down? Where is it okay to fall down? And, right. And, and how much, how important is it to fall down really to be a human being? Right. Um, Tiffany Dufu, uh, she wrote a book called Drop the Ball. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it is about that. Like, sometimes you need to say, you know what, 
I don't need to be in this meeting right now. I need to be at my kids play and I don't need to apologize for that, you know? And I think that, you know, I think there is, you know, understanding. And I think, you know, as more men take on these, what were quote unquote women roles, you know, like I watch, I, I was online the other day and I saw this kind of thing and it was like, you know, this guy, he was hanging out with his buddy. He's like, Oh, I got to go empty the dishwasher. And he was like, well, why would you do that? Does your wife thank you for that? And then the guy comes back at him and he's like, this is our job to do together. If you're looking for gratification (laughs) or thank you for emptying the, like you've got to, you've got to readjust your priorities. Like that's just like, you know, um, it's not going to last long. Yeah. Like that's not working. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting dynamic and I think it's, it is as a female wonderful like you know my mother was she was a mom of six kids she you know my dad was an IBMer he was on the road grew up in Connecticut and in a great you know but I'm certain at a lot of points in time she wanted to just be like I this is this is a lot or <laughs> like you know and I'm out <laughs> well yeah like seriously mm. peace out kids you know yeah you know and and I had such a we had an interesting dynamic growing up. It was a struggle. It was a big struggle because I, I just, we didn't see eye to eye. And, and very recently I've come to understand and and not through having my own children. I don't have my own children yet, but she's a freaking human, you know, like how much can you deal with? And you know, at what point are you like, okay, like, you know, and, and it's funny. I was at a family reunion the other day and my cousin was like, wow, you and your mom are just getting along really well. And I'm like, you know what, Kelly? I'm like, she's, she did the best she could, you know? And at what point is that going to be enough? You know? And I think for women, you know, to realize that and celebrate that together. And I think that's a big goal of Morph Moms is to say, you know, hey, (laughs) put your hand up and be like, you know, how do I do this? Or how do I navigate this? Or how can I help you? Um, or right. how can you help me and not feel discouraged or vulnerable? You you are making yourself vulnerable, but how do you get past that feeling to ask? You know, and right. you know, and I think you know, I think you're doing a great job by bringing these dynamic women to life. Right. Well, I try. <laughs> I'm trying, doing my part. I could give I mean, you a whole <laughs> slew of stories, girl. <laughs> I agree. I, I wonder, I tell my brother-in-law, I'm like, you best not be writing about the family. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I have so many friends who like, something will happen to them. They'll be like, oh, you should really put this in your next book. <laughs> like, I don't want to write about my friends. Yeah. I don't want everyone to hate me. Do you ever have anyone come back to you and say, wait, was that me? Or like, oh, I read yeah. page 34. My, was that my me? My mom. My mom oh. is convinced that every character in every book I've written is her, <laughs> and it's not. She's not in any of my books. Um, but uh, yeah, we're not, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, funny, I recently found out that one of my friends thinks that a part of one of my books is all about her, and it's so not. And yet, she she, she saw herself in it. She's afraid she to a tell narcissist. Me. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, not this one, last one. But uh, <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't ever wholeheartedly put one of my friends in my book. I mean, I might, yeah. like I said, I like use a, I might use a facet of someone's personality, but I would never fully pick someone up and, like, put them, plop them in the middle of my book. Do you, do you ever go back to, let's say, like, a memory, like something that happened in college or something that happened that stuck with you that you think somehow it meant so much to me, somehow I'm going to incorporate that memory into this story? 
Or do you sort of hold on to it and say, someday this will be incorporated into some story? Uh, I wouldn't know that I'd say that I've consciously done that. Um, I, I wasn't, wasn't, I've never, I, I would never say I've experienced life like that. But I certainly look back and I pluck things that I remember that I look back and I realize are significant. Like, for example, um, in my first book, Lizzie, the teenage daughter, is part of a church youth group called Splash. And um, that was very much based on the church youth group that I went to when I was in high school. And the feelings that I had that kind of sent me into the church temporarily um, up until the point where the pastor had an affair with one of my classmates. And that kind of put a kibosh oh, on that special. religious <laughs> experience nice. for me. Um, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting. That would really um, make the church lady blush. <laughs> yeah, it was it was scandal. It was big scandal. But uh, so you know things like that. Like and and Lizzie is not based on me. She is not me. But the feelings right. that I had and the the uh, the memories that I had of being in that room with the band and with all these kids and everyone in love with Jesus and we're all like loved by God and feeling like you have this this you know communal experience and connection and being understood like I put handle that into the book mm-hmm. you know I meant that that feeling so that's that's what I do but I don't I don't like like archive things that happen to me so with with watch me disappear and for those of you just joining us now I'm on the phone with uh, New York Times bestselling author Janelle Brown it's so unbelievable that you're on the show tonight um, and her most recent book, Watch Me Disappear. How did you, or do you remember when you first came up with the idea or the seed for this book? You know, the, the seed for this book, I remember actually I was going for a run around the reservoir and I just watched a movie whose name is going to completely elude me right now, but it's about a man um, who is having these hallucinations um, that he thinks like the end of the world is coming, something terrible is going to happen. He starts building a bomb shelter in his backyard. Take shelter, that's what it's called. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was started to think about my husband, because my husband has uh, temporal lobe epilepsy, which is a kind of epilepsy where you don't have seizures, like grand mal seizures, you have little brain seizures that are visual, and you mm-hmm. have these kind of a weird hallucinatory um, audio-visual surreal moments that you're having conversation and then you just kind of blink out and go somewhere else, but you're still holding the conversation, but you're he'll describe me that he'll be having a conversation with me, but suddenly instead of being in our house, we'll be on the roof of a, of a skyscraper in New York City, and that's the experience that he's having. And I was fascinated by that wow. and this this movie that I think I started thinking about what it must be like to see things that you know aren't real but what if they are and where do they come from and I started imagining this teenage girl and how she would experience that and what it would mean to her and especially if she was seeing something like her dead mother appear and so that's where the, the book start started from was with Olive and Olive having a vision and not knowing what it was that's so interesting yeah. That's a really cool premise. Or when I say cool, I mean just interesting premise. Like, yeah, yeah, wow. Do you ever? So when you have these ideas, do you sort of like have a somebody you go to to say what do you think, or do you just keep it to yourself and keep going with it? I'm, I keep it with myself. I just mold over my brain. I keep, you know, I start with a. I'll start with that idea, and then 
start like you know just sit with it i don't like to talk about it too soon because then i usually i don't have words for it yet it's like it's more like an idea and a feeling that i have and some some imagery and maybe it's a scene that i'm imagining and and it isn't until it starts coming together and it's and i've been thinking about it for a while that i would really start talking to somebody and even then i would rather write it down than try and explain it because i i find it easier to to write something down than to to verbalize it better with words on a page (laughs) it's so funny do you show that writing to anyone to your husband you're like is there anyone who sees it before it goes to an editor or the publisher or um, yeah, you know, I have a writer's group that I've worked with for a long time, although we don't really meet anymore because we all had kids and it got really hard. <laughs> but um, we used to meet once a week and we, you know, for years. And um, and then, yeah, kids made it hard. Um, but I still, but we still turn to each other when we have drafts of things that we're working on and we give each other feedback. So so I have a group of about a half dozen readers that are have been my longtime readers and including my husband actually. He's one of them. Um and we all we all help each other out and there's the 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 people I trust. So if in in a more suspenseful thing like the most recent book, Mm -hmm. do they ever suggest like, oh, it would have been you know, I don't know, more suspenseful if you change this to this. And and when they do make suggestions, how what is your response to that? Yes, and oh, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best two answers I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, I love it when people, I mean, that, we used to call, when we when we were really in zone in our rise group, we, we, we would call it the hive, the hive mind. And we would riff off each other's work and mm-hmm. give each other ideas and, and get feel, and then if you would have pitch in and suddenly you feel like people's minds working together to come with an idea that you just take it and run with it and um we still do that and what you know whenever we have a chance to get together and i love it i love getting you know i i I, i'm not precious about what i write i don't think that it has to all come from some pure pure moment is just me i'm the only person that ever thought of that idea i inspiration comes from everywhere and if i have readers and friends reading my books that come that say this is great but what if blank you know happened here what if Mm -hmm. you move this up there i'm all for it i'm like yes you are right i will take that idea thank you (laughs) it's so interesting like this fascinates me like as kate was saying like this whole process is so interesting and i'm sure everyone out there who's ever sat down to write a book like how do you go about this? Is it your idea? Are you open to others? What if, what if there was an instance in this hive where you felt really strongly about sort of the end and maybe the way you get there could be altered, but somehow that end played a big role. And mm-hmm. how do you, would you sit and say, listen, I want to get to this end. Can we sort of, can you help me adjust the middle sort of to get to the end? Or, or do you... <laughs> Um, that's a little bit too abstract, I think. Um, I think it's more for me, I'm more like, I will try a way to get to the end, show mm-hmm. it to my trusted readers, and have them say, this works or this doesn't okay. work. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you should try this, maybe you should try that, um, rather than trying to spitball ideas of how to get there um, from, uh, you know, from scratch. I it's it's for me it's more like what's working tell me what's working and tell me what's not working and okay this isn't mm-hmm. working that's good to know let how let, let maybe think what how we might get there instead so 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's so interesting. And I, this may be a bad question, but I've always also sort of been curious about this. So you sit down to write the book and pages and pages and pages. How do you know, I guess instinctively, it's done? How do you know when you've written the last, you've, you've put the last period down or whatever it is? Like, how do you know? Um, God, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always just known. You know, it's just something intuitive where you feel like, I mean, something with this one, I, I mean, I, had, I don't want to give too much away because it's got a, yeah. you know, a lot of everybody's going to go and buy that book right now. The <laughs> yes. There's a lot of twists and turns in the end, right? And I went round and around on a lot of those twists and turns and where mm-hmm. it was going to end. And I tried a lot of different, tried a lot of different endings. Um, and I, you know, I, when I got to the one that worked and I wrote it, I just felt this excitement, like, yes, this is it. I know yeah. this is like, and at the last line, everyone says it like, I get a lot of people saying is jaw dropper of a last line that changes um. the whole book. Um, and I just knew it's one of those things. You just know it when you write it. And I suddenly had that line in my head and I was like, yes, this is the book right here. So, yeah, you just it's something intuitive, I think. For me, at least, it was intuitive. Well, we are looking, we're, we're getting close to the end of the hour, and I would love to just, you know, hear from you, like, what are, what are your, you know, what's your mantra, or what's your, you know, how do you keep going every single day, and doing the mom thing, doing the, the writer thing, like, what, what's your best pieces of wisdom to give to those listening to the conversation? Oh, God. Okay. Um, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, I could make a joke here about drinking a lot of wine. Um, oh, no, you're there's good, no wrong. There's you're in good company. You're in very good company if you say that. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's about balance. I think it's about really trying to – I try very hard to have a balance between – being a mom, loving my children, being with them, but also making sure that I don't lose myself mm-hmm. in that, that I focus um, attention on my career and make sure that I'm still always moving forward on, on something that makes me feel fulfilled as, uh, you know, as a human being, but also don't need that to be the be all end all of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, whoops. Oh, sorry, no. okay. sorry. There's That's a okay. there's a knock at the door. There's a knock at the door. That's <laughs> no, okay. I thought maybe light bulbs were going off all on the um, and uh, and yeah, and then you know having friends and family and uh, and all those things. But uh, I wish I wish I had uh, the the easy pithy thing to say because it would make me make my life easier <laughs> if I could sum it up in a nutshell and be like, oh, that's my mantra. <laughs> now I get it. But really, it's about just trying every day to, like, you know, make the the scales balance mm-hmm. out in a way that is satisfying, and hopefully, you know, for everybody. <laughs> I, I can't tell you, Janelle. I think you've summed up everything I've yeah. been trying to spread for five years. Your honesty, oh. and I mean that so sincerely, because it's really hard. Everything is hard, and it's right. so refreshing to hear someone say, "Yeah, you know, it sucks sometimes, and it's really hard." And you kind of have to balance it and you figure it out and stuff gets dropped. Balls get dropped all the time. Hopefully not the important ones, just the ones that you can deal with and <laughs> mm-hmm. clean up quickly. But I, I, 
I have to thank you so much, I think, for your yeah. honesty in this. Hold on. I want you. Plug. Plug away, That's girl. That's right. It's your turn Hot to plug. plug. What are you doing? Where are you going? I mean, you're talking about these books. I know it's August, but, you know, <laughs> please, like, we want to know where can we go? Where can we find your book? I know that you have a website, um, but just let us know and all the moms know where they can find out more about your amazing writing and you yeah. as a person. My well, my uh, JanelleBrown dot com, J A N E L L E Brown, like the color dot com, is my website. I've got a lot of writing there, um, essays that I've written and stuff, and then links to all my books. Um, Watch me disappear is everywhere right now. It's in your Costco, your Walmart, your Target, your Barnes and Noble, your independent bookstore, um, Amazon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so should be fairly easy to find. Um, and yeah, I'm on Instagram at Janelle Brownie, like like the treat mm-hmm. <laughs> that you like to eat, and Twitter at Janelle B, and you can find my Facebook page. And um, I love to interact with with readers. I love to make appearances at book clubs, um, mm-hmm. either in the LA area or via Skype. I've Skype into book clubs. I did one recently with a bunch of um, wives at a Navy base in Nevada. That was really awesome. Oh, there were top gun top top gun wives. <laughs> yeah, their, cool. their husbands were in the Top Gun program. It was really cool. Oh, that's that's really Listen, cool. they're like real life yeah. Kelly McGinnis. Yeah. <laughs> I was her when I played Top Gun. I <laughs> Always. <laughs> and Janelle, you said you're going to be in New York. And would you be in on a Thursday night? We'd love to have you back on the show if you're here. Um, on Thursday, I am going to be, yeah, at the end of July. I'm going to be, I'm going to be um, uh, in New York if you want. Yeah. Well, we but can. I'm not quite sure what my schedule is yet. I'm, I'm doing an event at Random House, so yeah. <laughs> I have to figure out what my schedule is like. Well, if That's anything, a good problem. we can, we can um, promote your, your event on the Morph Mom website. Um, which is that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's what we're all about. Sharing is caring. That's, right. <laughs> That's my <laughs> mantra. Sharing is caring and let it all happen. Nothing fantastic. you can do. Just let it all happen. Um, I can't believe time is up. You know, yeah. I, honestly, I think we could talk to you forever. I love how honest you've been, how open you've been. Janelle, this was so amazing. And I can't tell you how invaluable this is for everybody out there listening tonight. We want you back. But most importantly, everybody go out there right now, which you probably already have it, but watch me disappear. Janelle's third novel. She's a New York Times bestselling author. Um, an amazing story. It's so interesting. Suspense is off the charts. And Janelle, I can't thank you enough for being here tonight. My amazing co-host, Kate, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Janelle. Janelle, You've served honorably in our nation's armed forces, and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community. Then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, 
perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them, and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Voted number one jazz cabaret club by New York Magazine, the Metropolitan Room is one of the most critically acclaimed venues in New York City and is known as the home for big-name talents and rising stars. Known as a celebrity hangout, the Metropolitan Room is a high-end cabaret and jazz club and brings the best in live music to New York City every night of the week. Fabulous award-winning Broadway, TV, film, and radio performers take the stage in an intimate 115-seat elegant venue. Aside from the great highly professional artistic shows and audience, Metropolitan Room provides an exceptional appetizer and dessert menu as well as exotic and specialty drinks prepared by top New York City bartenders. The Metropolitan Room is located at 34 West 22nd Street, conveniently located near public transportation. For information or reservations, call area code 